Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung line drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Lots of breaking news this week. A very, very uh, busy week in the world of sports. We got John Gruden being dismissed in Las Vegas. We've got baseball playoffs. We've got Game 5, San Francisco and the Dodgers to get to the NLCS to see the Atlanta Braves. Lots of activity. We had a great comeback on Monday Night Football with Lamar Jackson. So lots of stuff going on here, and we got an action-packed podcast for you this week. Two great interview spots, Peter Blake of NSPN, as well as Rock Riley, a Tampa Bay uh, media veteran, formerly of Bay News 9, Spectrum News. He covers the NFL. We're going to talk all things John Gruden. We're going to talk Urban Meyer. We're going to talk Kevin Cash and the Rays. Lots of stuff going on here on the Powers on Sports podcast. And we're also going to add an act, an, an additional segment starting on this episode. I'm going to give you some picks each week to take to the bank where you can, some football, NFL, and college picks that you can utilize as well. So enjoy the podcast. First up is Peter Blake of NSPN. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Our first guest is Peter Blake, my man, the host of our NSPN pregame show that I do with Peter for all the Buccaneer home games. He's also the host of the sports web on NSPN, as well as I love St. Pete uh, Facebook platform live stream show that he, that he does multiple times a week. And we are going to talk to my man, Peter about John Gruden, our, our Tampa Bay Rays and all things Tampa Bay sports. Welcome back to the podcast, Peter. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Happy uh, Tuesday night. Happy uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Day as they uh, unveiled their uh, their banner there for the uh, Stanley Cup, two-time Stanley Cup champions. It's pretty nice to be in Tampa Bay right now, unless, of course, you're the Tampa Bay Rays or unless you're John Gruden. Yes, we're getting ready to get to Mr. Gruden. It's uh, obviously there's been a whirlwind of activity here in the last 36 hours or so, really 24 hours. But, you know, since Sunday, kind of the news was brewing that something was on the horizon. Let, before we get to John Gruden, let's let's talk some Rays. Rays get knocked out of the divisional series. Um, three games to one to, in Boston uh, on Monday night. Two very, uh, the, the game Sunday night was very dramatic. The game last night was very dramatic. Just your thoughts about the Red Sox eliminating the Tampa Bay Rays in the divisional series. Disappointing. The Wills came off in game two when the bullpen failed. Uh, and then game three, I kind of felt like the umpires, you know, made some very questionable calls. I get it. It's a rule, Jason Powers. But, you know, for me, the umpires should use some judgment on that. If Yandy Diaz is going around third, why not say, you know what, he would have scored. And that changes the outcome of the game. 
Furthermore, you have Randy Rosarena, who before that gets a hit, gets, uh, you know, uh, impeded. His progress is impeded. And you say, no, this guy doesn't deserve to be a third. He deserves to be a second. So figure this out for me. How can you make a judgment call on that, but not make a judgment call when the replay clearly states he's around third? But I get it. It's a rule. It needs to be changed. Uh, and it's at a, the end of the day, it doesn't help for the Rays to strike out 20 times in game three. And then game four, you get down five to nothing. A very peculiar decision by Kevin Cash and, you know, starting or having Shane McClanahan come in in relief instead of start the game. And then at the end of it, you tie it up at five to five. You have the hottest hitter in postseason right now. And you decide to face him instead of walk him, load the bases, and set up the opportunity not only to have a double play, but a play at home plate for a force out. Makes no sense at all. Kevin Cash, very consistent with making bad decisions during the postseason. Not only did he cost it, but also this ownership. I've been very clear about this, and I'll keep on harping on it. When you decide to get rid of Blake Snell in the offseason, when you decide to get rid of Charlie Morton, could you have used those pitchers in this postseason with those three rookies? Absolutely. I get it. You're a 100-win team, but if you're not spending $100 million in this decade, you're not going to win a World Series. And that's why right now the Tampa Bay Rays are at home. They will continue to be at home until their ownership will step up and do what it takes, like the Tampa Bay Lightning and Jeff Finnick, and like the Glazers have done with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right, I'm going to push back a little bit because I think I have a little bit of different, a couple of different opinions than you on a couple things. First off, the rule for the ground rule double, the, the umpires had no discretion in that. There's no discretion in, a, in that rule. It's a bad rule, and it will get changed in the offseason. But, but by rule, it's a ground rule double. It's an odd play. You never see it. But by rule, it's a ground rule double. The, the umpires don't have any discretion. You had to send Kiermaier to second and Yanni Diaz back to third. The obstruction, that is where the umpires have some discretion. They could they could say, well, if he doesn't get obstructed, we think he would have got to whatever base. In their opinion, they thought he would have only got to second. That's a judgment call. Okay, we can argue that. I agree with that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, as far as the umpiring go, I'll defend the umpires on the ground rule double because that's the rule. You they don't have any discretion in saying, well, he would have scored. That's the rule. The obstruction, you do have some discretion. I want to get to the managerial decisions. We have all said for years how good of a manager Kevin Cash is. And he's a, he's a good manager, regular season manager. But two straight postseasons, he he's come up small in the biggest moments of his career. The biggest postseason moments. And this is not an ownership deal. This is not a salary cap deal. And I, I get your point about spending money and all that stuff. But in the nut crunch in time, last night, first of all, in the eighth, let's get to the eighth inning first before the ninth inning. Right. The Rays get a big break. They tie the game in the eighth inning. A Rosa Rain is on second base with nobody out. I know Wander Franco's coming up, and he's, he's, a, he's a big young player. You have to tell Wander Franco, whatever you do, that runner has to get to third base with less than two outs. Whether you bunt, whether you pull the ball to the right side, a Rosa Reina has to be at third base with less than two outs. You can't let three straight guys swing for the fences, get nothing, and a Rosa Reina strand at second base because that was your chance to win the game in the eighth inning. 
Agree? No, absolutely agree with that. And that's what's happened. Their big-time hitters went cold. Uh, Nelson Cruz, you didn't hear from him. That was disappointing. Wander Franco showed flashes of brilliance. Yep. 20 years old. I mean, the sky's the limit. Randy Rosarena comes through. I mean, great young talent. But, you know, the story is Brandon Lau. I mean, 0 for 18. Why is he still in the lineup? Can't hit. Joey Wendell. Why not? He's an all-star. It makes no sense. And you get passionate about it because, look, Kevin Cash is the Peyton Manning of managers in the regular season. He gets it done during the regular season, but when he gets to the postseason, and you know this all too well until Peyton uh, basically got it off his back, he wasn't able to perform. This is what Kevin Cash is right now. He's a great regular season manager, but when it gets to postseason, you know, last year with Blake Snell pulling him out when he's dealing, ridiculous. I don't care about analytics. I don't care about third time through the order. I know that's how the Rays work, but that's not how baseball always works. The postseason and is it's a different, different animal. Animal, exactly. Jinx, you said that the same time I did, which is crazy. Let's um, go. To, let's go to the ninth inning. Yes. So bottom of the ninth inning, you got man. First off. I didn't like that Kevin Cash doesn't put Wendell in the game to play third base, much right. better defender than Yandy Diaz, which right. obviously he might, he probably gets to the first ball that gets through Wendell probably does by Vasquez. Then the second ball that's hit by Travis Shaw, tough play. It wasn't an easy play to Diaz, but Wendell's a better fielder at third base, probably makes a better throw to, to, to Choi at first, which doesn't put Shaw on first base with less than two outs. How you do okay? So it's first and third, one out, no out, no outs. No, was it first and third with one out? Mm-hmm. Once Shaw goes to second, you have to walk Kiki Hernandez, the hottest hitter for the Red Sox, to like you said, set up the double play. First of all, number two, Devers is slow, he's a heavy guy. He's the kind of guy, if you get a ground ball, you're probably going to turn to because he's not where Kiki Hernandez is fast and he's been killing the ball. You can't let Kiki Hernandez beat you with a sacrifice fly when you have a base open. And I just think, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what, it's like Kevin Cash just gets mesmerized by the analytics. I don't understand it. Or possibly somebody upstairs is making those calls. Not not in that moment. Not in that moment. There's nobody calling Kevin Cash when Travis Shaw's on first base and says, pitch to Kiki Hernandez. Kevin Cash is the – then what we got to say is we can't say Kevin Cash is a great manager then. He's a robot. I I, I mean, I, I don't know what he is at this point. I know regular season they're a 100-win team, and I know that he's gotten a lot of credit, but at the end of the day, you're exactly right. During the postseason, it makes no sense. The two biggest moments in his sense. career, he screwed yeah. it up. Yes, Yeah, and the McClanahan thing doesn't make any sense because it's like John Smoltz said on the broadcast. He's not used to that setting. So why would you put him in that setting? Why not start him and then bring in McHugh if you're going to do that? And McHugh, first of all, never should have taken out McHugh. McHugh was blowing him away. 18 pitches. It's like Blake Snell all over again. I mean, Jason Powers, it makes no sense at all. And this is the reason why Rays fans are so frustrated because they see the talent, they see the ability, they see what could have been throughout the years, and that's yep. why some of them just don't come out because they know at the end of the day the Rays are going to be home. I'm telling you right now. I hate to say this, but that's not an ownership. That's not an ownership problem. 
That's a manager. That's an on the field managerial problem more than it is. And I get your point about spending money and all that. I get it. But when it comes to nut crunching time on the field in the playoffs, that's not the ownership. That's the on field manager. Well, it stems from that because it starts out with that. After you go to the world series in game six and you lose to the LA Dodgers, you get rid of two of your biggest horses on that pitching rotation. Could you have not used Charlie Morton? All you had to do is pick up the $15 million option. Guess what? You got Michael Waka, Chris Archer, and Rich Hill, who, by the way, you traded at the deadline. What did you get for him? For $12 million, you could have had Charlie Morton, who's still in the postseason. We know what he can bring. Blake Snell, I get it. He's not in the postseason, but he could have been a pitcher that, you know, the last month has been one of the most dominating. You could have used that in the rotation. Right. And instead, what you're trying to do is cut salary. And the blueprint is out there, Jason. The standard has been set by the Lightning, by the Bucks. They see both of those teams be consistent. They see both of those teams spend money and try to do everything they can to win championships. Well, so I, but I will say you have to give you have to give them this. They went out and got Nelson Cruz, who was a right. big bat. They went out and got him at the trade deadline. They made a couple small little bullpen moves. Again. You're right. It's bad luck, whatever. Again, I just don't like that Kevin Cash keeps making these managerial blunders in the biggest moments. I agree, but it's a combination of things. Okay. And instead of you know, having 60 or $70 million, if you spend that extra $15 million, if you spend That's... that extra 7 to $10 million, what's that make your salary? 90 to $100 million? I mean, I'm just playing the numbers. Yep. The last well... 10 years... All the teams that have won a World Series are over $100 million. And this team continues with their ownership. This yeah. is not on the players. This is their ownership. With their ownership to spend less money than everybody else. And all the fans say, well, you know, it's great. You know, they did a great job of what they have. They have more money than they're saying because yeah. they're getting revenue sharing. And they decide to cut corners. And that's why the fan support isn't there. Again, I was talking to Dennis Phillips of ABC Action News on my show and he said clearly, the reason why I canceled my season tickets is when they traded Evan Longoria. Consequently, Longoria hits a home run last night for the San Francisco Giants. Right. Of course, he's a part of that team. Right. That more than likely will win a world championship this year. I don't know about that. Well, okay. All right. So we're going to give you a live update here on the Power Zone Sports Podcast. The Atlanta Braves have just advanced to the National League Championship Series, being the Brewers. Five four in four games. Freddie Freeman with the with the game winning homer off Josh Hader, bottom of the eighth of game four. So your boy Charlie Morton started today, and we'll get another start here in the in the NLCS. So um, amazing, amazing. The Braves. How many, how many innings did he go? By the way, I think he went five or six. Probably five. No, probably four. He didn't pitch great today. But he was on short rest. Didn't pitch great, but he he was a workman like performance. So give him credit. He's into the next round. So. Congratulations to my, my the Braves going to the awesome. NLCS. The Astros eliminate the White Sox today in four games as well. The the uh, Pod, the the Giants and the Dodgers are playing game four as we speak. So, all right, I want to move off the baseball. Let's get sure. to the other big story, John Gruden. Mm. Now, we know well, we've, we've loved, we've liked, we rooted for. What a disaster this has turned out for John Gruden in the last, in the last you know, Four, three, four days when the when the when the email speculation of the emails came out back from 2010 to 2018, homophobic comments, racist comments, 
making fun of the commissioner, uh, making fun of the Glazers, making fun of uh, D. Marie Smith of the Players Association. Did you ever think we'd get to this point? No, but, you know, in this day and age with a lot of people being you know, offended by things, and they should be by these comments, and there's nothing about this that you can defend. It's not good at all. It's not a good optic. And on top of it, because he was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at that time when they won the Super Bowl, and now they've taken him out of the ring of honor, instead of talking about how great that team was, what you're going to point to in that instance is John Gruden and those comments, which is sad because it's going to take the focus off truly how great he did a good job with coaching that team, how yep. great the defense was, how the whole story of that season broke out. And, and uh, it's just, it's, it's the whole situation is disappointing. It's uncomfortable to even talk about because for me, I think the NFL is hypocritical and I'll tell you why with these comments, right. And he should, he was fired. He was, didn't resign. Make no mistake about he it. He was Gene. fired. Goodell went to Mark Davis and said, you need to fire this guy. We need to get him out of here. This is bad optics. This is bad for anything having to do with the shield of the NFL. And real quick, let, let me give a little context before you keep going. Sure. Go for it. The NFL was doing an investigation of the Washington football team. That's right. where all these emails came out. They, they subpoenaed like 600,000 emails from the Reds, from the football team over the last 10 years or so with all the issues that the Reds, the, the football team have had with Daniel Snyder and company, Bruce Allen. And so that's where these John Gruden emails were discovered. And many people think were leaked by the NFL because the NFL wanted the Raiders to do something before last Sunday and they didn't. And after Sunday's game that he coached and lost against the bears, the NFL put a lot of pressure on Mark Davis you either do, you better do something here, Mark Davis, on Monday after this game, or you're going to have a big problem with the NFL. Yeah, look, I'm not going to be naive because how many coaches are emailing, you know, it's private emails. So how many coaches are talking like this? How is the locker room talking like this? The thing that's hypocritical for me is um, Daniel Snyder has had no punishment at all. This guy should not be an owner in the National Football League with all the allegations that came out uh, about his ownership. Uh, the pictures that were not talked about. Cheerleaders, cheerleaders on boats. Right. I mean, this is not good stuff. And yet here's Daniel Snyder getting a pass for it. You know, he's not, like I don't think he's getting a pass. I think, I think with this happening, I think you're going to see some major scrutiny in these emails. And if they find anything related to Daniel Snyder, they're going to do a Donald Sterling situation. They're going to force him to sell that football team. I think. But the point is, why does it take this long for some action? We already know there were allegations out there. We know that there were stories from writers uh, from D.C. talking about this situation. Right. Why has it taken this outrage? And that is where the NFL is hypocritical. Because you look at it from the instance of Ray Rice being suspended for two games, having his wife being brought up there until right. TMZ until it's a PR nightmare, that's when the NFL cares about domestic abuse and domestic assault. Until TMZ looks at the Greg Hardy situation, he was only suspended for two games. That's where the NFL is talking on the side of their mouth. Right. They want to, they, they, they want to, you know, not look at it. And then when it you know, affects their money or their bottom line, they want to do something about it. And how about this year? You look at John Gruden's comments, but who was announced for the halftime show? I get it. I like these artists, but, 
haven't they said a lot of this stuff too? Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg. Right. And yet the reason why they're there is because they provide the American dollar for the National Football League. So I'm saying this, looking at it from the standpoint of referees calling it consistently, why can't the NFL do the same? They don't. And that's why some people are defending Gruden. They shouldn't, but this is the way the NFL has made this look. No, you're, you make a great point. There's no doubt about it. There's, you know, with John Gruden, the stupidity of John Gruden, sure, has everybody on this planet at some point in their life said something they shouldn't have said about somebody or a group or something. Everybody has. And if you, if you're, if, if you say you've never have, you're lying. We've all said it in some phase, some company of our friends, whatever. But for John Gruden to put it as smart as he is, to put it in writing in an email form, that's the stupidity of John Gruden. Yeah, it's it's a position of power. You're in that situation. You basically put a target on your back. You know, Deshaun Jackson had some comments, no outrage. NFL didn't do anything about it, suspending him. That's what I'm talking about. It's a double standard. On top of it, it's hypocrisy that runs the National Football League, and it's disappointing. And that's why a lot of the players don't like Roger Goodell and don't like the way the National Football League works because they're not consistent in their decisions. The only consistency with the National Football League is the bottom line. If you're losing money on that situation, then they're going to do something about it. If not, it doesn't matter. They're going to overlook it. Right. And Same thing with concussions, you know, for years, players are having concussions. And this is one of the things that he talked about. He didn't necessarily think that Goodell was concerned about the game. But overall, we know the game is better for that. Right. Because you had so many players that were dealing with concussions. Well, the reason why the NFL did anything is because basically they were going to get sued. They right. had all these lawsuits from former players. They didn't care about the players' well-being. They still don't care about the players' well-being. They haven't done enough for those veteran players. That's why a lot of those players that played are struggling. That's what the NFL has to focus on. They have to be more consistent with their decision-making. It's a lack of leadership with Roger Goodell and the rest of them. It's disappointing. It's hypocrisy. But this is the right decision by the NFL to get rid of John Gruden. I just would say... Look, if you're going to be all in on this, be all in on every incident, and it's right. not like that, Jason. It's no, not. you're right, and you're right. And an interesting thing, obviously, Mark Davis and Al Davis were very – Al Davis, when he was alive, was very progressive, diversity, hired Art Shell. Amy right. Trask was a was a president of the, of the organization, a woman. So you know it had to really hurt Mark Davis to have to let – to you know, to have to say, hey, John, you got two choices. I can either fire you or you can resign and it'll be interesting to see what the, what the financial terms of this resignation is. He's not going to have to pay him the the remaining 60 plus million dollars, but I bet John Gruden gets a little bit of a parachute. He probably will get, I'm guessing my, my guess is 10 million bucks to walk out the door would be my guess. And, uh, you know, and again, the odds of him ever getting another coaching job are pretty slim. I could see him in two, three, four years, potentially getting a TV job again. Once all this settled down, it will be interesting to see what happens because, you know, Gruden at some point will have a kind of a tell all interview, whether it's 60 minutes or with one of the NFL channels or whatever, he'll sit down with somebody in the next, you know, period of time and explain his side of the story. And again, he doesn't have any excuse and any out 
to say, hey, I was just kidding. But I think you'll see Gruden at some point back in the in the world of football in the next three, four, five years on the TV side of things. I don't see it. I think his career is over with. I think it's a shame because you're going to look back at it. You're going to see a coach that possibly had an opportunity to go into the Hall of Fame if he wins another Super Bowl. I get right. it, his record, but winning two Super Bowls, also a broadcasting career down the tubes. I don't ever see him on TV. I don't see him ever coaching again. I don't think anybody will touch him, not in this day and age, not with everybody being offended, not with the uh, the, can the cancel culture out there. I don't see it happening. Not only did he make uh, racially insensitive comments, homophobic comments, but also comments against women. I mean, that right there is just not good. It, from I mean, this it's the... It's the uh, the trifecta of terribleness. It's, it's just terrible. It's trifecta of being terrible. And as you noted, the Buccaneers announced on Tuesday night that they're removing him from the Ring of Honor. Now, obviously, that was you know in you know with his coaching career here in Tampa. Uh, so he's come. He'll he'll come down from the Ring of Honor in, in the in the at the at, at the at Raymond James Stadium. Which again, that will be something from a legacy perspective with the Buccaneers that'll live forever that he got removed. You know, I just hope, again, I hope John comes out and, you know, and is contrite and say, you know what, I screwed up here. We all, we, everybody deserves a second chance. Again, he, he doesn't need any money, so it's not about money. He doesn't need the money. Hopefully he'll just come out and be contrite whenever he does decide to make a public comment and say, you know what, I really screwed up here. And like you said, hopefully the NFL nails everybody in those emails that, that, that have any of those kind of comments along those lines that they nail all those guys to, men or women. I mean, again, if you're going to set the standard and you're going to be a certain way and take a stand on something, do with everybody. Go across the board. And, you know, with his removal from the ring of honor, do you consider now Warren Sapp with his stuff off the field? Could you see the Bucks possibly looking at that situation in the day and times that we are uh, right now? Could you see Warren Sapp being removed from the ring of honor as great as he was, as much as he's a Hall of Famer? Could the Bucs consider doing something along the lines of Warren Sapp being removed? What do you say? I'm going to say no, because the Bucs will then be really hypocritical. Because if you remove Warren Sapp for an off-the-field discretion, a, a, a legal issue, then the question is, why did you sign Antonio Brown? Well, some people say that's the reason why they shouldn't have did it with John Gruden. They shouldn't have removed him from the ring of honor. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I right. think decision at this point right if you have antonio brown you have richard sherman so uh, again you know there's uh, i get it i understand the situation it's bad right now it's bad pr it's a nightmare there's all kinds of pressure from different groups i get that but people are looking at it from that standpoint okay right. you remove gruden are you going to remove sap why is brown on the team why is sherman on the team Brown is cleaned up. He's I'll say this. Sherman hasn't been convicted of anything, so I'll, I'll give him a pass at this point. But Antonio Brown, he's got a detailed history right. of, 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 of indiscretions off the field. So, um, But it's a valid point. It's a valid point. What we Peter, do. great work. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Absolutely. It's on NSPN. And of course, I love St. Pete. We usually go Monday and Fridays. We'll see what will happen this week uh, here live on the evolution of sports talk television. It's the sports web. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area Thursday night, if you're out watching the game, Peter will be doing pregame halftime 
at Ducky Sports Bar down on uh, Kennedy Boulevard in Tampa. He does a great job with the pregame, all that kind of good stuff. So let him know. Let get, get with Peter. Uh, definitely uh, stop by Ducky's. Check him out on the I Love St. Pete platform and SPN. He does a terrific job with all of his all his work. Peter and I are hosting the No Quarter Given podcast. We'll be releasing yes. the Philadelphia Eagles on Wednesday, so you'll hear you'll be able to hear that on Wednesday and throughout the rest of this week as we lead into the Thursday night game uh, with the Eagles up in Philadelphia. Keep up the great work, Peter. Thanks again, and we'll talk real soon. Sounds good. Okay, it is time to put a little money in your pocket heading into the weekend. Here are a couple of picks for you that I like. The college football world and the National Football League. Week 6 NFL, week 7 of the college football season. First off, in the college football, I like Arkansas laying three and a half at home against Auburn. I really like what Arkansas's doing. Uh, Sam Pittman and company. Auburn coming off a beatdown by Georgia in on the Plains, heading to Fayetteville. I like Arkansas, minus the three and a half. In the NFL, I like the Cleveland Browns to bounce back and beat the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. I like Cleveland, minus two and a half or three. At home in Cleveland, I like the running game. Baker Mayfield doing enough, and I think you're going to see Odell Beckham finally break out in Cleveland. Also like the Detroit Lions, plus three and a half at home against Cincinnati. Heartbreak city for Detroit so far this year. They've lost so many close games. They lose a heartbreaker last week in Minnesota at the gun on a late field goal at the buzzer. Uh, But I like what Dan Campbell's doing. They're playing really hard for him. And I think at home, give me Detroit plus the three and a half. And finally, I like in a nice teaser to, to... Compact the week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, six-point teaser. I like the Buccaneers, and I like the Pittsburgh Steelers together in a six-point teaser. So if you like to do teasers, Bucks steelers together, six-point teaser. There you have it. We're going to make you a little money, hopefully. Dr. J with his picks of the week. And now back to the podcast with Rock Riley coming up. Thanks for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And now a word from our podcast sponsor, Titan Home Lending. For all of your home financing needs anywhere in the state of Florida, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, reach out to Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Titan Home Lending is based in Tampa, Florida. We can help you with FHA, conventional, renovation loans, jumbo loans, and virtually anything in between. So reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. We are pleased that you found us on all the various podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and where else, wherever else you find your podcasts at. So very pleased to bring on for the first time, Rock Riley. Rock is a veteran of the Tampa Bay sports media. He's been a longtime broadcaster, radio, television. He does some podcasts now. He's the host of the Rock Stops Here podcast, as well as Bucks Kickoff as part of JoeBucksFan.com. The Bucks Kickoff is a, is, a 20, is, is a podcast that comes out 24 hours before every Buccaneers game. 
And again, the, anybody that's in, in and around the Tampa Bay area knows Rock Riley very well from his vast experiences on television and radio throughout the Tampa Bay market. So welcome to the podcast, Rock. Honor and a pleasure, Jason. Happy to be here. Great, great. All right, first question I have for you, non-sports related. Where did Rock come from? Oh, man, that's, that's, that, that, that's a good one. All right. Um, it was t- probably about 25 years ago now. And I was in Denver, Colorado. I auditioned for a job in Tampa on a radio station, 970 WFLA. They had a longtime number one sports guy in the morning, Ted Webb. Yeah. And he also was a co-host of the show. And Ted did a nightly show on, no, a uh, Sunday night show. So I fl- flew down here. I studied for like, oh my God, in a whole week back in the day when it was actually the newspapers, you know, and I would the local scene and then I auditioned, I got the job, I would do uh, sports reporting for 970 WFLA. And at the time the boss is like, okay, your first name is Bob. You want to stay with that or something? I'm like, I need the gig. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. You know, we're just trying to, you see what ESPN is doing now. It used to be Dan Patrick and uh, what's his name? Keith Olbermann. Just, yeah. And he's like, you know, it's more entertainment. You know, we don't want to lose a license. And I was driving with my ex in Denver, Littleton, a suburb. We looked over and there were the Rockies. Rock. What about rock? What about rock? Rock, rock, rock. All right. I'll go with that. And it's stuck. And now here we are 25 years later, Jason. Interesting. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. So I know you've been around we're going to talk, we're going to hit on the John Gruden situation, obviously, the first thing we're going to hit on. You've been around Gruden a lot, both probably professionally and occasionally probably socially a little bit. I don't know how much you'll be able to tell us how much you know John at all off the field. Just give me how surprised were you when this bombshell came out over the weekend, kind of started trickling out Friday of last week. Hey, there's some emails that he's that he's written when he was not coaching, working for ESPN at the time, between he and Bruce Allen and some others. What were your initial thoughts when you heard that, when you heard that, that news? Um, I was actually shocked that he would put those thoughts actually on emails with a chain, right. you know, it wasn't only Bruce Allen. Right. And would actually send that thing and just think that those things can't come back. Now I've covered him. I covered him like a glove for many, many years. I know him. It's not like I hang out with him. So you really don't get a sense. You know what I mean? Am I surprised? Not so much, but I'm just surprised at in this day and age, even if it's, you know, five, six years ago or when he was on ESPN to actually put that and hit send on an email. Right. I mean, and then you know, it wasn't when he, when this came out and he was let go or he resigned because remember he has $10 million a year. He's got six years left. So that's 60 million. So I'm sure there was some kind of settlement. Yes. Uh, probably not paid the full, but I'm sure the Raiders. 10 to 20, I bet he got 10 to 20 million. There you go. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you, he's one of those guys. I would think he would be kind of hard to play for. Uh, I remember Keyshawn Johnson, and he really didn't get along. And I remember when Keyshawn was deactivated yep. the year after they won the Super Bowl. Yep. And I went over to Keyshawn's house 
It was a gated community. He said he would do a one-on-one -on -one, and he was like, oh my God, you could tell Gruden didn't like him. And then there was another instance where John Gruden told, you know, he ran into Keyshawn at a place and the way he was telling me, I could tell those two never got along. So I don't know if you've seen how Keyshawn has come out and Keyshawn said, killed him yesterday on TV. He was accused car salesman, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Uh, there's been some other players that have also told me over time, it kind of like, you know, I don't know. He'd call you bro. And then maybe when he turned around, he may, it's, you know, talk behind your back. So, you know what I mean? I kind of get a sense of like how John Gruden is, but also kind of shocking, man, that he would put all this on an email, even if it was to his so-called friends. The guys at Hooters, he used to work at Hooters. Yep. The Outback Bowl guys, well, Basham and Sullivan. It's all a good old boy network that they're real tight here in the Tampa Bay area, but they were all on this chain. So now those guys are, you know, kind of put into question. It's it's a mess. And you know what, Jason? I don't think we're even close. To, there's going to be more that's going to come out on this. No, thing. there was, like, to give people some context, this was not an investigation into John Gruden. This was an investigation into the Washington football team that led to John Gruden. There were 650,000 emails. And if you think that's the only scandalous emails that they found in those emails, we're, we're, we're all naive. I mean, I guarantee you, other people other than John Gruden were in these chains, like you mentioned, Bruce Allen, the Hooters guys, the Outback guys. There's going to be some more fallout around the league and around the college sports world from, from this investigation of the, of the Washington football team. Right. And here's the other thing, too. He hasn't been winning. They're paying him a lot of money. That also factors into it. Now, if he was on the level of, you know, uh, you know, uh, Belichick with wins and losses or, you know, Arians, and this is a team that's competitive, you know, for the Super Bowl, it might've been, I'm terribly sorry. I have changed as a person, right. maybe they suspend him for many years, but the fact is they were not, they were losing. Now I also was at one buck yesterday and I talked to a national reporter and he contacted, he had six sources within the Oakland Raiders organization and it wasn't so much it was the NFL. It was the Raiders. They were trying to get out of this thing because it wasn't working well. And then when the word came out, his sources, and this is a respected journalist, said there was like cheers and happiness inside that Raiders building uh, yesterday. Right. I mean, and, and one, two things. One, it, it, it gave them an out to get out of the contract at a right. minimal cost. Right. And, it, and two... You feel bad a little bit for the Raiders because, you know, Al Davis was very progressive on the hiring Art Shell, bringing yes. in Amy Trask. He's yes. been pretty progressive. And Mark Davis seems to be along those same lines, too. So, you know, it had to hurt Mark Davis because, you know, they were really good friends to do that. But it's something you had to do. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the Raiders do without does that kind of rally rally them around now who's going to get that gig right but it's very rare and when if you listen to his apology gruden and i also yeah. know someone that texted him and he texted back the exact same thing i didn't mean to hurt anybody right so it wasn't like you know no i didn't do it oh it's taken out of context right no 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 so there you go yeah and, and and you know one thing i was shocked about with gruden as media savvy as he was with his branding and marketing for him to put that, I mean, and like I said, I've, I've told other people, we've all had mistakes right. with our mouth over the years, right. saying right. stuff you probably shouldn't say at the wrong time, right. but to right. put it in writing like that for a guy that's such a figurehead 
from a branding perspective, all the commercials he's been in, all the stuff, he, all the rock star that he was at ESPN is just shocking to me. It, you know what? It's a, like, I, I have one friend and he will text me some stuff. It's more on like stuff about girls and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm almost like, huh, huh. <laughs> and I'm never going to like put something back that I might even talk to him in a beer. I'm not even texting. Who knows <laughs> anymore? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. One other thing, let's talk about the Raiders one more time. I'm surprised Rich, Rich Passaccia was named the coach, not because he's not a good coach, but because he's been Gruden's right-hand man for so long that you had to think, well, if John Gruden's saying that stuff in and around in a text message email, he's probably saying that stuff around Rich Passaccia and how much does Rich Passaccia know or don't know concerning the Gruden situation? Yeah, I'm sure, Jason, before this move was made, I'm sure he sat down with the brain trust with the Raiders and they must have like grilled him. Are you on any of these things? Are we going to find out anything? Because right. here we are in the middle of the season. We're not out of it. We're three and two. Yep. We got to have somebody that knows this system, that knows everybody. We still got a shot. You know, and we're here in Vegas and we spent a lot of money with this thing. So, you know what, but you better, you better prop. Were you on any of this? Did you follow back? So I'm sure that that was done, but that's a good point because Bisacci has been with Gruden for a long time. Right, right, right. And, and, and the other thing is obviously the, the Raiders have the first openly gay player, Carl Nassib, who we know who was down here in Tampa for a while as well. And so just, there's no, do you see any scenario? I mean, I don't think there's any chance he ever gets another football coaching job because of the, the fallout from this, do you think three, two, three, four years down the road, he could get a job back in the media again? You know what, Jason? I guess in this day and age, you never say never. But I know for a fact, I know this. He told the guy that I know we were at an Outback Bowl function. And like I say, he's very tight with Jim McVeigh right. and the McVeigh family. They got a lot of lineage in football. Jim McVeigh is the executive director of the Outback Bowl. John Gruden, every year when he can make it, and especially when he was at ESPN, he would always be at one of the big functions. Right. And uh, I know somebody that went up to him right before he was, he decided to get back into it. And he even told this person, he goes, man, I'm being paid so much by ESPN and my life is actually it's too easy right now. I'm getting that. I'm, I'm really thinking about coming back. And then when they had the ring of honor ceremony at right. Raymond James stadium, I was up there. I was on the field. I interviewed him. We, we, I saw everything. And that when he drove to his home in Avila, it's a highway called 275. And that night after being there and seeing the sap and the lynch and the Brad, John, Brad Johnson and all that. That's when he made up his mind. Totally. I got to get back into coaching now because otherwise I'll be too old. That, that did it. So the ring of honor thing and being back in fueled him. Right. And then of course the Davis family, you know, they had wanted him for so long and blah, 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 go back to Oakland at the time. And he thought that he was going to be back into it. So, um, I, I don't know. And the way it is now in 2021 and cancel right. culture, I would be very surprised. He's got enough money. He'll have his coaches association thing where it's on a strip mall in Tampa. <laughs> coaches from all, they come in here. The thing is dark. He hates light. Everything is dark except the screen. You right. go into his room. He does not put on lights. 
Even when he used to get up at four in the morning and be at the facility, only the light from the screen that he studies. He's a psycho. So he's not going to give that up, Jason. Right. Yeah. I uh, just, uh, yeah, again, those of you that don't know, on Tuesday night this week, the Buccaneer organization is going to, is made a statement that they're removing John Gruden from the ring of honor because there were comments about the Glazers apparently in some of these email chains as well. Roger Goodell was involved obviously with D Marie Smith of the players association. And then obviously he made other comments about women in, in uh, you know, the LG, LBGTQ community as well. So he offended everybody. It wasn't just one group. He went after everybody for what it sounds like. He All right. Did. He did just- Let's go up North, North Florida. One Urban Meyer. <laughs> it's just, this is instead of the Powers on Sports podcast, it's the TMZ Powers on Sports podcast. <laughs> you get clicks, Jason. That's what it's about. <laughs> Urban Meyer, your thoughts on Urban, his his issues, not coming back with the team after the Thursday night game, and then obviously the photos coming out of of the younger ladies on his lap doing all whatever they were doing at his bar. You just how how dumb is I mean. Is this a is this an ongoing thing with Urban? Has it was this speculation when he was at Florida? Did he ever have any of these rumors? You covered them. Give us the scoop on Urban Meyer. All right, he won. He won wherever he was. So, so administrators are going to put up with whatever he's doing behind the scenes. That's the bottom line. He worked at Fox Sports in L.A on set with a friend of mine, Rob Stone. And again, the juices are flowing. A lot of these guys, it's in their blood as coaches. They'll do the TV thing for a while and then they miss it. Okay. His ego was so big that he figured, I want to see if I can do it. I know that I know how cocky, you know, I know that I can do it on the NFL level. Now I've had a couple of experiences with Urban Meyer when he was with the Florida Gators. It was at a big event. Went over to him. He kind of was a jerk, kind of blew me off. I saw him had another event, Dick Vitale, Dickie Babe, Dickie B. And Dick Vitale has this huge event every year in Sarasota to fight childhood cancer. And he brings in these stars and Urban Meyer was one of the speakers. Couldn't have been nicer, stuck out his hand. It was in a different environment. I'm like, wow, that's two different personalities. Which one is he? Okay. So I've seen this before. I saw this with Spurrier. I remember when he went to the Washington Redskins and they had a uh, scrimmage, not a scrimmage, a preseason game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he lit it up. He had the offense still throwing that, that run and gun and, and what worked in the Gators. And he, and I remember going in the locker room and I actually got him right here one-on-one. And he's like, yeah, we ran it up and this and that. I'm going to, I'm a, you know, we're about attacking, attacking. And it was like 40 some points, whatever it was. And I'm like, oh my God, he really thinks that what worked in college, you know what I mean? And it didn't, it didn't work for Saban. Uh, Greg Schiano. Now he was not on the big stage. He did turn around a Rutgers program and I'm from New Jersey and college sports are not big there. It's Giants, Jets, Matt Yankees. Rutgers was an afterthought. He did turn it around. But when he came here, he brought that college mentality these are grown men these are grown men best in the world they got agents they got a lot of people in their ear you can't control them and it used to be toes on the line the temperature in the room had to be 68 when you come in the room you always have to have two water bottles and (laughs) and these guys are looking at it like this so i figured this doesn't it didn't surprise me on 
some of the moves that he made, he had a questionable uh, hire. Strength and conditioning uh, guy who got accused of some stuff in Iowa. The Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, we all know he's an unbelievable person. He was a great college quarterback to ask a guy that's been out of the league to try to play his position at tight end where you got guys coming out of the draft that have been a great tight end at Ohio State and, and Auburn and Alabama. And how how is that? So the decisions that he's made. And then before we even get to the lap dance, in all the years, and I've been covering the NFL for a long time, back in Georgia with the Giants, with Parcells and 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 Lawrence Taylor, who was scary. Phil Chris Phil Sims was a jerk. Uh, to Gaston and the Jets. That's how long I've been covering the NFL. I have never heard of a coach that stays in the city and does not fly back with the team, because Tony Dungy the other day, I don't know if you saw this, Jason, he said. That's kind of your responsibility to travel and get everybody home. Right. If you got to go somewhere else, then you get on a charter and go after that. What if there was a, a delay? What if there was something uh, turbulence in the air? God knows somebody got sick on it. They have to right. land somewhere. Where's the head coach? They had, these head coaches, not only big egos. I remember Groot would always be, they would set up a time every day when the head coach is going to talk. And it depends on practice. A lot of these coaches want to have the last word at the end of the day from media. They're asking about in, in, uh, injuries, things like that. So they always want, they're the last one. You got to go to the head coach. It's on them. So that blew me away. Mm-hmm. And then to tell the team, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be with the grandchildren. I'm going to stay with the family and then to go. And then when he, when he said, listen, own up to it. When he said, you know, we went to the restaurant. It's his restaurant and bar. <laughs> and, you know, we spent time with the family. And then, you know, you know, th- there was just a group in there and they, they called me in for pictures. And then they tried to get me on the dance floor. Did it look like they were trying to get him on the dance floor, Jason? <laughs> I didn't see a button-down shirt. I didn't see Urban in a button-down shirt. Uh, on the dance floor and did he not in this day and age jason how does stupid he can not you be? think that how somebody might be? unless he was really buzzed and that wasted that he just was clueless and just wanted that girl that that i i i was shocked i'm actually shocked that whenever this drops he still has a job you know it's still it's day to day i i'm actually surprised as heck and, and, and how stupid you would think at worst somebody in his inner circle would say ain't no pictures being taken we're not taking no pictures video nothing if he's going to be in this room all right i'm glad you brought that up so i know somebody that is very close to Derek jeter now Derek jeter now is married settled down all right a child he might have two but anyway he's he, and yeah, he was never a big partier. He was never a drinker and this and that. But when he was single, being handsome, a lot of money, Yankees captain, yep. he would go out to clubs. And the person that I know is very close to Derek. When they would go out to somewhere, even if it was in Tampa, really hard in New York, they have to call ahead, make sure it's set up. They would actually have to put the rope around where they would sit. <laughs> there would be times, Jason, where Jeter's date girlfriend would go to the bathroom 
And then there was women already coming up, hitting on him that fast, just while she's in. And it would always be, there's always be like, no, no pictures. If you were lucky enough to get invited to Derek Jeter's mansion at Avila, there was a uh, picnic type of like picnic basket at the front door. You put your cell phone, (laughs) but you put your cell phone in the basket. Yes. And then you can come into the house. No pictures. When have you ever seen Derek Jeter with any pictures all those years and in New York with the paparazzi? So that, yeah, you're right. That's another thing. Yeah. I mean, just, it'll be interesting. Like you said, if he survives because Sean Khan doesn't want to pay $60 million or whatever the contract is. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out at the end of this year. Right, 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 right. What what a mess, huh? Man, man. All right. Let's do it. Let's hit some raised playoffs. Then we're going to hit your career for the, you know, second year in a row. Beloved Kevin Cash, who everybody thinks does, is doing such a great job as a manager during the regular season, in my opinion, comes up small again in the playoffs with some decision-making. How do you not walk in the ninth inning, Kiki Hernandez, to at least set up a double play opportunity? I mean, you take out Colin McHugh, who's mowing him down the first two innings in game four. I, some of these decisions, I know it's analytics-based probably, but you have to be critical and say he's come up small two straight postseasons. I agree. I, I agree. Look, I, I like Kevin Cash, and I he is a uh, player's manager. They love him. He also does have discipline. He installs in that. Um, I can tell, you know, he's been there long enough that this is not, everybody says, oh, this is all up top. No. no. I mean, no, not at this point. Now, I can tell you this. After Joe Madden left and they hired Kevin Cash, Kevin Cash was a bullpen catcher in the Indians organization. He had never managed at Mm. any level. Right. So what happens is after games, when you go downstairs and you're going to go into the clubhouse in baseball, it's called a clubhouse and you wait outside and there's always a cool down period. And I've had, I've, uh, you've heard, I've heard screaming different years. I've heard the party and the celebration (laughs) after big wins and the music blasting. And then eventually they'll open the door and you go in usually to the manager's office first. And then you'll go over to different lockers pre COVID. Nobody's been in the locker room. I don't know if that's ever going to open up again, but anyway, so Joe, after Joe Madden, when now Kevin Cash in his first year, we would be standing right there at the uh, Tropicana field right outside. It's cordoned off with a little fence and you're waiting to go in. I see these younger gentlemen from the front office come down. They got a stack of papers this thick (laughs) and they're going in and to see the manager, Kevin Cash, before we get in there. So I talked to one of the guys that's an employees and I said, what's that? And he said, that's all the analytics. Do you know that they tell him what the lineup is going to be? The next day now this but this was in kevin cash's early, first year early in his career yeah and like because because when joe madden was here he would make the lineup somewhere around two o'clock right you know they get there maybe he talks to somebody figures it out so there is a thing with analytics there is a thing at, at the top where the rays did control but at this point you got to say kevin cash has did not do a good job in the postseason with some decisions i'm with you yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I just, you know, and, and, and I don't blame Kevin Cash for this, but top of the eighth inning tie game, a Rosarena on second base, you have to get him to third base with less than two outs. Have to. Yes. 
no matter who's hitting. I know Franco's hitting, but you got to tell Franco somehow, some way, you got to hit the ball to the right side and get him to third base. Because that was yeah. their chance to win the game was in the eighth inning. You know, and I mean, it, it, it's a shame because Charlie Morton, he's pitching in the postseason. You let him go. Okay, Snell, we can make uh, And then, of course, you get glass now. Right. You look at what they were able to do regular season, but it's how you finish, Jason. That's it. And in the end, it's going to be looked at as a disappointing year. I'm sorry. You're right. I agree with you. All right. Uh, we got one, one, one fifth game coming up. Dodgers-Giants, a classic rivalry. Thursday night in San Francisco. Who do you like? Oh, my God. All right. I'm not going to be on the fence on this one. I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I'm with you. I think somehow, uh, it, it, Honestly, way. though, Jason, it, you know what I mean? It could go It could go either way. You know? Two, two very good teams. San Francisco's feeling it right now. How about Evan Longoria with right. the bomb the other, the other night? Uh, a great matchup. Love it. Love no, it. It's, it's, I mean, both teams have 109 wins on the year with their wild card win. They're dead even 109, a fifth game to decide who goes to the NLCS to see the Braves. You obviously got the Astros and the Red Sox on the other side. Great, great drama in the baseball world. Great drama. That's great. All right. You're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm with Rock Riley, the host of the Rock Stops Here podcast, as well as Bucks Kickoff podcast. Let's get to your career a little bit. Tell the audience how you, you know, everybody knows you from the Tampa Bay area, a long time, Bay News 9, Spectrum Sports. How did you get, how did you get started in the, in the sports broadcasting world? Sounds like you're from New Jersey. Tell, tell us about your, your early days, Rock Riley turning into a sportscaster, Rock Riley. Yeah, I knew, I knew what I wanted to do. I went to a college in Florida and I walked on as a pitcher, St. Leo College, yep. and I made it. But it became clear once you, you know, when you're in high school and you're pitching in, you get a, the number seven, eight, nine batting, just throw fastballs right by him. I'm a lefty. I was a skinny little lefty at the time, like a Ron Guidry type, and you can blow up by, you go to St. Leo, and I go to college, and I realize, whoa, seven, eight, nine hitters are really, really, they're, they're pretty good. And college baseball down in Florida yes. is good. So I realized, and you go to spring training games, you get into the bullpen, you're seeing these major league pitchers. I'm like, All right, I ain't going to make it into that. I think I can do that. I can be on the six and 11 o'clock news when it used to be a big thing right. compared to now for your sports and being in New Jersey, we would see a Marv Albert and this Warner Wolf. And I said, I can do that, but how are you going to do it without experience? So basically I work for free. I, I, I had a full-time job. I did line painting. Uh, on the highways. I did a lot of different things. So anyway, I, I get into radio and small station in New Jersey, worked there for five years, news and sports. And then I start branching into cable TV. Then I get a job, my first TV gig, upstate New York. It's called Plattsburgh, New York, yep. Burlington, Vermont. That was the market. But unfortunately, my wife at the time, I had just gotten married. I was 27 years old. She had cancer and uh, it was breast cancer. And I took the gig. She was a teacher. She was going to finish out the school year, but it had spread. I had to leave the job and I, yeah. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I was good at it because right. I could do it with timing and stuff. I was like, okay, this is my niche, but I got to come back to New Jersey. I can't. So right. I stayed, boom, she passed away. And then I was back line painting. And I remember one point, Jason, we were doing something near Philly 
and painting the highway and I'm on this, this big truck with these guys. Everybody's miserable. You wait for your 10 o'clock break, your lunch. They would hit the local bar with a pizza at six, you know, and miserable in life. And I looked over and I saw a girl with her camera guy, Philly, and they're doing a stand-up. I'm like, wow, I wonder if I'll ever get a chance to do that. You know what I mean? So I ended up getting a gig, but it was more as a producer okay. slash reporter, New Jersey Network. And uh, I was on the path. And I was on the path. And then that was good experience. From there, I landed a job at FNN. It was Financial News Network during the week, FNN Sports during the weekend. Okay. And I became the national sports reporter. Anything from Denver, Colorado, East, I covered. So I was I was doing everything, man. I was doing training camps. I was doing World Series. I was doing playoffs. And I was a young guy. And I thought, this is great. I'll never forget a quick story. But there used to be a lot of pressure. I would, uh, I would fly. And here's the thing. When a station is paying you, your flight, your rental car, your hotel, they're paying for a camera guy for $450 for two hours. This is 20-some years ago. You can't come back and go, oh, the story didn't work out. Oh, I didn't get it. And get so it. I remember specifically, they told me, go up to Lake Forest, Illinois. That's where the Bears train. And uh, do an interview with uh, Mike Ditka. See how he's doing a year after his uh, heart attack. Ooh. Okay. So we set it up with the PR. Yeah, Ditka will give you two minutes, blah, 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 four, three minutes. Okay. I fly there. I get my rental car. Those are the days where I had a map. You know what? I always figure out when I went to Minnesota, Mankato, all over the place. You figure it out. You figured it now. So I get there. Boom. I go to the facility. Walter Payton, sweetness, is on the front door. Real nice guy. Hey, how you doing? He had a high voice. I said, oh, my God, there's Walter Payton. We go in. The PR guy comes over. He goes, hey, you at FNN? Dick is not doing the interview today. I tell you what. It's a media availability where everybody, like all the writers, the beat writers, the coach comes out, make sure, you know, if you want to get in a question, do it then, but make sure you don't step on the toes of these beat guys here that are covering the bears. All right. And that was it. Oh my God. I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> you know, Cause here, if you don't get it, okay, I can do something else. So it taught me it put a lot of pressure on me at a young age, you know what yeah. I mean? To come through. So I'll never forget it. I'm in the back. I'm waiting. I'm waiting my time. And then you start like, all right, I don't want it to be. All right, that's it. That's how they do it. All right, that's it. And I'm like, uh, coach, uh, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, FNN. What the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> Financial News Network. Financial News Network. What are you going to try to know what my portfolio is? No, 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 no. It's FNN Sports. All right, what's your question? You know what, coach? It's been a year since you had your heart attack. And I'm just wondering how you're doing. And he goes, you know what? That's a damn good question. None of you son of bitches have asked me about how the hell I'm feeling. You know, I was out on the golf course the other day and we're playing in a foursome with a doctor. And you know what I've learned? When I'm not feeling good or I'm tired, I might have had a heavy meal the night before. I take it easy the next day. I don't tax my heart. What else do you want to know? And I asked one more. And he goes, thank you. And I'm like, boom. And then when I would get on that flight, I would always be so relaxed. Like, oh, my God, I got it. Now I got to get it. And I would go back to New York. And then you had to feed it. It was the days before you would have the satellite and you could just feed it. I'd have to go to a location with an uplink and boom. There was another time when I was a national reporter where I go to Wrigley Field and it was the uh, playoffs with the Cubs and the San Francisco uh, Giants. 
and there was a rain delay. And the clubhouse is real small when you're at Wrigley Field. Same thing with Fenway. I do all these interviews, blah, blah, blah. I get all this stuff. Beautiful. I go, we go to feed at WGN, big station in Chicago. Yep. We go in the back. You go with the engineer. You got to wait because you're just coming in. They're doing their news, this and that. It's always like a lot of, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people do not see. But anyway, get it done. Boom. Everything's cool. Boom. Get my rental car. Go back, O'Hare come back to New Jersey, boom, I get a call from the producer cursing me out. What the hell? Your video was in black and white. Huh? Like, you got to be kidding me. No, we used it one time. We can't even use all that stuff. It was shot in black and white. We're not going to pay your freelancer. You know, huh? Huh? I get on the phone with him. He's like, listen, man, we worked all day for you. I got to get my money. I just had a wrong switch. I flipped it. Hey, that's not my problem. So it's just a little <laughs> bit of a story where there's, there's always a lot more to the story, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end to shorten it up, it was going great. I'm a national reporter. Now they're going to put me on payroll, a salary because I was freelance benefits. Oh, this is beautiful. And I'm going to go to LA. That's where the uh, studios were. New York was FNN weekdays, but uh, FNN Sports LA. Oh, this is great. And all of a sudden I get a call from the producer. Hey, did you see USA Today? No. The CEO of FNN, Earl Bryan, was charged with embezzling millions of dollars. <laughs> we, are, we are blanked. Lights out. Like, you got to be kidding me. So it was only a matter of time, couple of weeks. CNBC bought out FNN. They dropped sports. CNBC is still on the air today. And all of us are out of jobs. <laughs> and then, uh, so, yeah. So I'm applying at local markets. Oh, you're a national reporter. You're overqualified. No, you don't understand. I'm fine. I'll play. I'll play the game. So I was in Denver with an ex. She gets a job with the Colorado Rockies. Believe it or not, assistant to the general manager. Unbelievable. I'm now a nobody. Husband of her. Uh, it didn't work out. The marriage didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking around for gigs. And that's where it came to. I hear there's a job in Tampa in radio didn't pay much. And I'm like, you know what? I don't have any kids. I'm single. I'm familiar a little bit with the market. I was in St. Leo. Right. All right. I take the gig. I never thought I would be in Tampa Bay 25 years. You can't plan out life. And so I get the gig. I come, I'm doing radio, and then Bay News 9, a new cable outlet is starting. And I'm like, oh, great. I send my tape. Here's how, here's how this business works. The head man at Bay News 9 looked at my tape because I knew somebody that was working there, guy right in there. And he asked him about me. Hey, what about Rock Riley? He goes, bad dresser, bad dresser. <laughs> he looked at my first story. And he saw the sport coat that I was wearing and he didn't like it. And he ejected the tape. That's how you're, that, that, it can come or go. So it wasn't until I came in on a, a guest on like one of their shows. And then the number two guy in sports had, a, they blasted out his ear with the IFB an audio and he had a hearing problem. It didn't work out. I ended up kind of filling in. They were checking out how I would do. Yep. And I got the gig and then I was there 18 years. So you just never know how it's going to turn out, Jason. Man. All right, let's talk about the changes in sports media from back when you started to now. Used to be, you know, you had, to, there was no internet. There was no, there was no Zoom opportunities like this. 
just talk about how that's changed in covering sports. And like you mentioned, 6 and 11 o'clock sports was a big thing. The sports guy was the man at 6.20 or at 11.20. Now it's you get one or, one or two minutes or it's a blip, and it's just a totally different world of, of broadcast media. Talk about the changes. It really is. And everybody, you know how you said with your phone, Jason? So to tell you how different it is, on the Rock Stops Here podcast, I had on George Albright, who is a videographer for ESPN, NFL Network, and he also does news. He did uh, CNN recently, the Gabby Petito uh, case that's been going on, the right. girl that was strangled and all that. So he goes, they're down there. He's with CNN. And uh, there's people in the neighborhood. Everybody's got their phone out. Everybody's doing video for their Instagram, for maybe their YouTube page or whatever. One guy goes right up to the window and he's trying to get, and they're trying to get, do a live shot and get, and he's like, Hey, and the guy goes, Hey man, I'm doing this for my Instagram. So <laughs> that's everybody is a news person today. And everybody <laughs> thinks they're everything. That's how it's changed, Jason, Right. especially the younger uh, people that it just blows me away. And I, I've seen it where when I first got in and went to, like I said, my first time in an NFL locker room, I minded my P's and Q's. You know what I mean? I've seen some, and I don't want to mention any names, one, a particularly attractive young girl, first time at a complex, and oh my God, how cocky. Here comes Tom Brady. She doesn't wait for the beat people or anything right away, you know. Hey, Tom, how are you feeling? Brady's looking at her. I'm feeling okay. I'm good. How are you? And then Brady is so good for being as big of a star as he is. He gives her a good enough answer. Well, you got to take care of your body and this and that and this and that. Okay. Now, another question about the upcoming opponent. I look over. She unplugs her phone. She goes in the back and she's listening and looks at me and winking. Ah, ah, I got Brady for my like blog and Instagram and not caring about anybody else. And I'm like, wow. And this is your first day inside. You got credentialed and with protocol and NFL, how are you that cocky? Like, it's just, it's just, it really is different. But with, with everything at our fingertips, you know, digital, there's just so much information and everybody's able to do it. The problem though, being in this business is, the money it uh, advertising on digital it yes. doesn't it does it's not it's not as much as it would cost to have spots on TV and in radio so it's hard to make a living unless you go viral and you're huge and here's a funny story a guy uh, uh, he's a, a broadcaster on ESPN three usually you three does lower college football games not somebody that you and I don't know but another guy and he posted the other day he's like now he's on ESPN. He's doing the AAC. He did an SEC game. He did one big 12 game. And he's like, I'm trying to get to like 5,000 uh, followers on my Twitter. And my daughter, who's a senior in high school, has 62,000 followers on her TikTok. And it's about her cat and something else. And you can monetize on TikTok. It's a whole, I don't want to be that old guy that get off my lawn guy. It's just a whole different world, Jason. It is. No, you're right. You're right. And, and just uh, the commitment by the different net, especially local TV now and local media. Now the commitment to send guys like you to Fenway park for the playoff games, to road games for the Buccaneers. That used to be the norm every week. 
there'd be one or two people going to a Bucks road game. Now you're lucky if you get one person from a network. A lot of times they don't even send anybody. Right. It's it's really, really, really changed. At least now everything was Zoom and still is an awful lot. Right. But at least with the protocols, oh my God, it's tier two or tier three. For most of training camp, I was tier three. Right. I know where what public yeah, where publications I'm at and blah 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 because it's a numbers game. They only allow in, I don't know if it's 18 or 20. So with the box, and there's so much interest. If NFL Network is here, there is an, a talent that's the on-air person, there is a camera person, there is an audio person. ESPN, they got one, they send Jeff Darlington, that's two. Right. They got a producer, they got talent, blah, 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 blah. So they're already taking up nine, 10 spots. So if you're tier two, you're only allowed to be there for a distance. You can shoot a little bit of video really, really far away on your phone. Then you got to leave. Right. If you're tier three and you're lucky enough, you're tested once a week with COVID, you ha- you get this little bu- uh, button, uh, beeper, that you put, goes in your pocket. That way, if you're anywhere near, you can't even get close to a player or a coach. <laughs> oh my God, the alarms come off. Then you have to make sure you return this thing before you leave the facility. If you don't, it's $185 on you. You know, it's just, everything has so changed. Right. And so we'll see what happens. I don't know if we'll ever be in a locker room again. And uh, it's just a different, different time, Jason. And, and and the the authenticity of a report is no longer anywhere near as detailed as it used to be. It's the first guy to get something posted on Twitter or on Facebook or on social media, whether they've sourced the report or not. It's just about get. Oh, I heard I heard so and so say that Tom, Tom Brady's thumb hurts. He's not playing Thursday. Well, the Bucs haven't reported it. They haven't sourced it with anybody. That part of the, of the business has changed as well. Yeah, and you know what I try to do too? There still is, I look at it like this. You are based on your reputation. That's the one thing that you hold. Right. And if I get, if I see somebody that has something, I always give them credit or they had it first right. or retweet them. There are some that take the information and put it out there by themselves. And in the end, that's going to catch up to you, man. You know what I mean? Your reputation is all you got, you know? Yep. No doubt. No doubt. What do you think? Uh, Let's talk about the Buck season real quick and I'll get you out of here. How do you think, you know, four and one heading to Philadelphia Thursday night football, you know, they probably their best game of the year was Sunday against Miami played really well. Uh, How do you see the, the, the rest of the regular season going? Obviously, the key keep can you keep Tom Brady healthy? That to me, that's the whole key to the whole season. That's it. I've been lucky enough to interview Michael Jordan, Jeter as well. He is a Michael Jordan. Jeff Darlington of ESPN got to sit down with him because it was before the uh, page, the big Patriots thing, right? And they did it weeks ago. And when he finished the interview, he he walked away and he goes, "That's Babe Ruth." Like we are seeing Babe Ruth, like in our lifetime. And it's amazing when I'm at the facility and watching him, Jason, he is now he bust, they bust his bizzle so bad by being old behind the scenes. Yeah. They call him old head. That's the term when you're old enough. Hey, old head, old head. And he plays (laughs) along with it. He's got a good sense of humor, but when it's time on the field, he is all business. Oh my God. You should see what he does. He runs sprints 
after every practice with Blaine Gabbard and Ryan Griffin. Trask is like kind of behind the, the you know, he, he's a rookie and he, you know, he's a perfect situation, call Trask, a, a perfect situation for him. But Brady is so precise every practice. And then when he sits down, all right, blah, 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 Miami Dolphins, he starts mentioning what their what their system is, the amount of work that he puts in. His wife, Giselle, and the kids always leave the house at least a day or two before every game and stay somewhere else so that he focuses full on his for someone that has that much money and that much fame and the way he is with his body his trainer is there he has this hydra flask he he took it to the white house he took he had he constantly is drinking so much water i came back and told my wife she tried she was i'm going to bathroom all the time (laughs) but i mean it's that's why he's as good as he is at 44 years old yeah now the thumb it was wrapped up really really heavy and what, okay, so it happened in the game, you know, he mans up, but a lot of times like your adrenaline, you just keep playing. And if you ever play basketball, you got it sprained. Sometimes you keep yep. playing through it, but the next day or two or Swells three, up. Yep. yeah, he even said the other day, he goes, I wish I had five days. We've only had, you know, it's only been three days. It's only be five. Uh, so that, that might be a factor. So the defense has got to step up, but I don't worry. It's human nature to be complacent. You know, you're Super Bowl champs. Everybody's going to come in. You know, the year is different. It really is. Everything is always different. Like Brady goes, we never played in the rain all last year. We hardly had any injuries. You know, everything is different, but with him, with the goat and the players realizing this opportunity to goat, that's why Sherman came here. That's why they want to come here. There's not complacency Brady. They, they, they won't allow it. So there, there, it, it all comes down to can Brady stay healthy. That's the biggest key, but I've been covering the NFL for 20 some years and it really is amazing to watch. He, uh, he drives a truck. He's not like some one of the media members. Oh, does he drive himself? Drive himself. Like, you know, but he is bombarded. He get this. I noticed after this last game at Raymond James stadium, he had his son. His son is Jack. He's 12 or 13. He was a ball boy during training camp. Yeah. He's got the Brady Jersey on. So I, eh, Brady does all From his previous relationship with Bridget Moynihan. That's the, the first son, his first son. Yes. So they're really, really tight. And Brady loves it. So I come out of the press conference, Brady was done and I'm walking and I'm walking behind Brady and his son. And I'm not going to be a TMZ here and try to get that. Yeah. I just, I just let it go, let it go. And I look over and Brady's getting into his vehicle. Brady parks inside the hallway, yeah. near the locker room. I've never seen that for a player. Now the owners, <laughs> the Glaziers, they are one more level in and they have security there. They don't park out in the parking lot, but Brady can't even park in the player's locker uh, parking lot right. because he would be hit by him. And one of the workers comes over, ask him for a Jersey. This is even in the, in the hallway. So you've never seen him out in Tampa, but he can't, he right. can't, he can't, but he, I will tell you this. He loves it here. He, he does like it. Oh my God. He's like, Tampa's a secret. He goes, the airport's close, the work, he calls it work, red close, because, you know, he's on uh, Davis Islands, you know, he had Jeter's place, yeah. and Jeter told him, I'm going to sell it, so he gave him a little bit of a deal, and then he sold it, and TMZ had that he was building on Clearwater Beach, that was bogus, he's, he's renting another home 
in the neighborhood. Gotcha. But he said this, he goes, there oh you go. God. Breaking news right here. He's not in Clearwater. He's back in Davis Island. There you go. I like there it, you go. On, on, on your podcast, Jason. I like it. Yeah. That's, and that's the one thing It's funny. I'll tell you a quick story. Friday night, I referee high school football in town and I went to La Terracita, which I know is right there by one buck place, a little yeah. Cuban place. Yes. Friday night. Guess who's sitting in the diner Right across from me, not a person in the in the whole place notices her. World famous, Gabby Douglas, the gymnast. You're kidding me. Nobody notices her. That just talks about the fame. You know, Gabby Douglas, the biggest gymnast, U.S. Olympic gymnast. Friday night, ten thirty at night, she's sitting at the diner. Nobody notices her. I no, I notice her. Nobody says a, says a word to her. She's That's just awesome. sitting there eating a little dinner Friday That's night. Awesome crazy I, you know if if that was brady there with his family where right. start spreading now you right I mean? I mean that's the thing and the thing you have to respect about brady more than anything else he's a t he's an average dude in the locker room he, he probably doesn't big time he's probably big time some people occasionally but he's right. one of the guys he right. does all the running all the lifting he's structured he drinks prop that's the thing you have to respect about tom brady more than anything else is he does the little things that makes him great Exactly. It's it's so like anybody that is a Bucks fan or something, enjoy it because this run doesn't always happen. So I'm 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 loving it, man. One last question, I get you out of here. How much do you love covering events in person as opposed from from a studio? That's the part that as a sportscaster, everybody thinks, man, I'm in the arena, I'm in the stadium, in the in the press box. How do you? How much do you love doing that as a sportscaster? I love that. I love that. Number one, that's, that's it because I love being there. Yeah. I love doing studio work. Studio work is nice, but when you're there, Jason, you can just, you observe, like even when we're only there, we're only allowed 30 minutes to watch practice. It's different during training camp. You can be there and I'll pick up on some things. You watch, you watch who's hanging with who you watch something that they do. And a lot of times that will translate into a game because everybody is an expert with the internet you can look up stats right you can do your homework but when you're there you know and i might and then then when you're there and somebody trusts you sometimes you ask those that are inside the building hey what's going on here and the thing is if they give you information it helps you be a better sportscaster sure. but you also don't totally give away what they told you what's sure. off the record sure is off the record so that's the big thing for me. I love it. I always love big events before, like for Stanley Cup final or World Series, or I love it when the arena is empty and you know this place is going to be crazy and you just get that feeling and you're going around there. You know, I, I, I just, I do. I honestly, I love being out at the events. I, there's, not, there's nothing like it, Jason. Yep, yep. Well, Rock, keep up the great work, man. You, you're you're a legend in the Tampa Bay market, and again, I love the I love the story about how your name came about. That's all. I always wondered where did Rock come from. But, uh, <laughs> Colorado Rockies, the foothills, they're right over there. All right, I'll go with that. <laughs> That's great, and uh, you know, you and I both have a very mutual good friend, Drew Felios. Oh, great, good guy. friends, both of ours, and uh, you know, he 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 loves you, man. He he thinks you do an awesome job. Keep up the great work with the Rock Stops Here podcast. Bucks kickoff. Tell people where they can find you on social media. Yeah, on Twitter and on Instagram at Real Rock Riley. And then on Facebook, 
Rock Raleigh. Awesome. Well, great. Keep up the work. JoeBucksFan.com. Let's get the Bucks to victory lane and have a great week, sir. Back at you. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it, Rock. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.